0: Hello and welcome to episode 97 of Yeah, It's That Bad. My name is Joel. And I'm Martin. This is the show that looks at supposedly bad movies and asks the question, is it really that bad? And what that boils down to is that we look at movies that are are on Rotten Tomatoes and reevaluate that score. Does it really deserve to be that low? Tonight's movie is 1982's The Pirate Movie, directed by Ken Anakin, starring Christopher Atkins, Christy McNichol, and Ted Hamilton. The Pirate Movie is a 1982 Australian musical comedy film. This movie currently
1: holds a 9% on Rotten Tomatoes. How about a plot synopsis? A parody homage to Gilbert and Sullivan's Pirates of Panzance. The pirate movie is a comedy musical utilizing both new songs and parodies from the original, as well as reference to popular films of the time, including Star Wars and Raiders of the Lost Ark. In your typical Boy Meets Girl, Boy Loses Girl, Boy Fights Girl, and Sword's plot, the story revolves around Mabel, youngest of Major General Stanley's many daughters, and Frederick, an ex-pirates of Panzance. They fall in love and proceed to retrieve the Stanley fortune from the pirates 20 years ago. The pirate king informs Frederick that due to him being born on February 29th, a leap year, Frederick is still technically the king's apprentice. Frederick must then decide between duty and honor, the only good quality, thought, and true love.
0: Okay, the pirate movie. Tonight's movie was sponsored by Shannon. And Shannon writes in and says, Hi guys, I'm the person who paid for you to watch this mess, so I thought I probably should write a bit more than what I put at the bottom of the PayPal receipt. I was happy to sponsor an episode because your podcast was one of my major sources of entertainment last year. We were living in Switzerland for a few months for my husband's job. My language skills are, well, laughable, and my iPod was one of the major sources of entertainment. I discovered your podcast about two or three episodes in and have been a loyal listener. Anyways, the pirate movie. I was a kid when this turkey came out and I thought it was garbage even then. When I get online, I'm bemused slash disgusted. But the number of loyal fans this movie seems to generate. I don't get it. I didn't get it when I was nine and I don't get it now. However, I'll trust your opinions if you tell me I'm wrong in this film actually has some redeeming value. Here are some of my issues with the movie. The film is almost entirely a dream sequence, chocked full of early 1980s period references that are blatantly pandering to the audience. They pull out almost every trick, dopey love song, split screen animation, Star Wars references, etc. If the movie is fully a dream, then this girl Mabel needs therapy. She falls in love at first sight to a guy who is a cute eunuch. She says she loves him, but her subconscious keeps putting roadblocks to keep them from being together. Yet at the same time, the older pirate has a huge bejeweled cod piece, which makes me think this girl has serious daddy issues. The song Pumpin' and Blowin' looks like it was tagged into the film post-production. Chrissy McNichol's hair is completely different. Her she-mullet throughout the rest of the film is pretty hideous. And if I have it right, the pumping part of the song is not just a double entendre, but a triple entendre. Muscle flexing fish, pumping, Air and sexual innuendo. At the end, when she wakes up from the dream, the guy who she has been dreaming about but not really ever spent time with carries her off to what? Live happily ever after? Happily tie her up in his dungeon where she'll never be heard from again? I don't see this as a happy ending, but more of a beginning of an America's Most Wanted episode. Girl injured in accident, last seen being carried off. So I'd like to see what you all think. Is this just a cute romp that I'm too critical about? Or is this thing a steaming pile of cinematic crap that should have never, ever been greenlit to production? Thanks, Shan.
1: Okay, Martin, the pirate movie, what is your history with this? First time I've ever heard of it. First time I've seen it. And uh, I I knew nothing about it. Nothing.
0: Yeah, I have the exact same history with you. I'll say this. When I popped in the DVD and I saw that it said Anchor Bay Productions, whoo, my heart sank so deep. That is a movie studio whose works I have a dark, checkered past with.
1: You know what, that's? so hot I do have a very very checkered pass with Ted Hamilton
0: okay all right all right we'll get to that in a second okay let's do what we always do the top of the show we'll discuss the actors one by one and we'll see how you thought they did
1: First up, Ted Hamilton. Yeah, Hawaii Five-0 himself. I was very happy to see him. He's a legitimate actor. He's a good actor. But I, I mean... I thought he was okay in this part. Like, he's supposed to be this
0: over-the-top pirate character who's tossing out double entendres and one-liners every 30 seconds.
1: He does that pretty well. He looks pretty good. He, he I mean, he doesn't look as good as he did as the original captain of The Love Boat. but Or the, or the $6 million man. This guy's awesome. The, the only Ted Hamilton I know is win a date with Tad Hamilton.
0: Sorry, <laughs> our good friend Topher Grace. Yeah. Oh, Topher. <laughs> okay. Next up, Christopher Atkins,
1: Hero or Zero, depending on how you look at it. He reminds me of Link from the Legend of Zelda. From the Legend of Zelda, he's like a eunuch. She hit it, hit the nail right in the head. He he looks like he's androgynous. I don't know if he's a boy, man, man boy. Would you say he's an elfin? Lied. Oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, he looks—he looks like a Diclonius. Yes, there you go. He looks like a wood elf. Was his acting good? Dryad. I don't know. I mean, this is a comedic role, comedic musical. I mean, there there, there wasn't a lot of dramatic um, depth to any of their acting. It was superficial. You know,
0: I don't—I wasn't blown away by this guy at all. Like he was just a pretty face. He had some boyish good looks and beefcake charms, but that don't really get you so far in this world, you know? I'll say this about the pirate movie. I feel really cheated that the girls who are watching this movie get this five out of five beefcake pretty boy to ogle, while we, on the other hand, I feel kind of cheated because next up, Christy McNichol is nowhere near as hot as this other
1: guy. Yeah, look, I mean, there was a lot of beef in this movie. In fact, it was, it was a little too beef heavy, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I think so too.
1: I thought I couldn't get Heavily enough. Heavily weighted on the beef side. I thought I couldn't get enough beef beef, but this this movie proved me wrong. There was, oh man. You just need to have Ted Hamilton in your movie and your beef meters are off the charts, but uh, the women, especially in the bikini intro scene, they weren't cutting it. They weren't cutting it for me. Well, Which is odd, because this th- this was filmed in Australia, and I thought that their chief export was bikini- bikini-clad babes. That's what I thought it was. It was shipped straight out of Sydney. We've been led astray. Oh man. Well, I'll say this. Christy McNichol, I thought she did a
0: really good job in this movie. Like, she went for it. This is a cheesy movie with silly things. She dove right into this movie, I thought. She she got it. She knew what was going on. She's always smiling and winking at the camera and all this stuff, so I thought she did a good job with this thing.
1: She was good. She acted well. She played to the part very well. She was definitely a strength in this movie. Okay, so we can say that she was in some pretty, like, middle-of-the-road shows in the 70s and 80s, like Love Boat, but then the end of her career was a skyrocketing success with Extreme Ghostbusters. Yeah, she did a voice on Extreme Ghostbusters, so she went out with a bang. Yeah, she, she played a pivotal role in one of the episodes as girl in sub <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> i don't know if it's a submarine or
1: a submarine sandwich or, or, or what. In, a, in an extreme ghostbuster she could have been a woman stuck in a sandwich it could have been anything <laughs> could have been a specter sandwich okay so that's pretty much it those are the
0: three main stars in this movie let's get on to the brief history of the pirate movie first sequence The film was the idea of actor Ted Hamilton, who became executive producer. This picture is one of two big movie adaptations of Gilbert and Sullivan's The Pirates of Penzance that were released in 1982 and 1983. This movie was first theatrically released in the USA, only about six months before The Pirates of Penzance. The sword fight scenes took several months of training and rehearsals. Members of the cast extensively trained on a rope course for this movie. The movie's main movie poster shows Christopher Atkins and Christy McNichol wrapped up together in a large black sack marked with the traditional pirate's skull and crossbone emblem. Atkins is clearly not wearing a top, and there is a suggestion that McNichol is completely topless behind the black sack, this imagery evoking the nudity and scant clothing of the Blue Lagoon, Atkins' earlier box office hit movie he appears in with Brooke Shields. According to Nathan Raven in The Onion AV Club, director Ken Anakin blames the film's commercial and critical failure on the presence slash popularity of an infinitely more faithful TV version of the Pirates of Penzance. He also blames writer Trevor Ferrant, who spoke out against the film after it deviated from his script. The pirate movie received negative reviews from critics. At the Australian Film Institute Awards, the film was nominated for Best Costume Design and Best Supporting Actor for Gary McDonald. It was also nominated for nine Golden Raspberry Awards in 1983, including Worst Picture, Worst Actor for Christopher Atkins Worst Actress for Christy McNichol Worst Supporting Actor for Ted Hamilton Worst Screenplay and Worst Original Song for the track Happy Ending Winning three overall for Ken Anakin Worst Musical Score and Worst Original Song for the track Pumpin' and Blowin' The film earned a total seven million dollars at the box office The Pirate Movie So this movie starts off in not typical Yes That Bad fashion
1: Yeah it starts with a scene Yeah It's a real grainy footage shot of a pirate movie. Right, right. Th- th- this was stock footage from a uh, 1940s Fox pirate movie. The Black Swan or something. Black Swan. Yeah, it, that looks really, really good. It's grainy though. This is a real fake out. I actually thought this was going to be the movie. I
0: seriously thought that this was going to be like a really poor print from the 80s on this DVD. It's going to be all scratchy and stuff with all these pirates running around, attacking each other. But hey, turns out
1: that's not the case. It was all a big fake out. We got double crossed. Yeah, yeah, that, that 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 was just the intro title screen. What we really get is a sweet 80s boombox
0: yeah, this character is walking around with a boombox, 80s style, this mullet hair and big glasses. This person looked like she would have fit in perfectly in Williamsburg today. That's supposed to be Chrissy McNichol, but I honestly thought that was a boy walking around. It's a little gender bending going on right off the bat.
1: Yeah, which is something that I was really happy to see. She absolutely would fit in very well in Brooklyn. So she's walking down the wharf, I guess, and it turns out that it's
0: yeah, <laughs> Commander Wharf.
1: Yeah, it, it turns out that in Sydney, it's Pirate Week. And and they're having a lot of pirate reenactments going on. So she's walking up and she finds Co star giving, I guess it's some type of instructional lesson on how to, on, on, on sword play. A lecture. He was giving a lecture at the local university on sword fighting.
0: Yeah, she just wanders on board to the
1: ship. This dude is shirtless. He's got all these girls fawning all over him. Now, right off the bat, this is the most intense 80s scene that I've seen ever. Not since the 1980s have I seen anything so 80s.
0: One of the things that really struck me about this movie right off the bat is that the moment anybody started talking their voices did not sound like they were coming out of their mouths
1: That this whole movie was dubbed over again well that's typical of the 80s like when people would speak in the 80s it didn't sound like the sound was coming out of their mouth even in the real world when you talk to somebody (laughs) everybody was so fake and phony back in those days a lot of the singing was absolutely 80 yard but I I, I didn't really notice the talking too much I guess I was so wrapped up in their 80s style and flair I was just drawn into the movie yeah you felt like you were at home this is a real time piece (laughs) even though it was made in the
0: 80s. Yeah, just like uh, anyone from Power Rangers, slice of the 90s. We're getting this again.
1: Yeah, I feel like I was taken back to pre-natal fetus mode.
0: Okay, all right. <laughs> not knowing anything about this movie, I went into it expecting it to be a kind of light-hearted uh, kitty movie. Same here. It turns out this is not the case <laughs> at all. This is not a movie for the kids. This movie is rated PG and it pushes that distinction all the way to the limit. I think this was at a PG-13. It just came out today.
1: When I was seeing the sword fighting scene, I wasn't sure if it was sexual innuendo or not. And then he says one line that just is so blatantly sexual that I was like, oh, alright, this is on purpose. This is the kind of movie this is gonna be.
0: This movie is over the top with the sexual innuendo, which really surprised me for a movie that I thought was supposed to be for kids. Same. I, I mean, but I don't know anything about this movie, so. Yeah, well, according to our sponsor, she said that this is a movie that kids are watching, and the people that love it today are the people that were kids then
1: and saw it. See, there, there was stuff in this movie later on that I thought was definitely pandering to children, but the amount of sexual innuendo in it is extreme. Through, through the roof. It's for the parents, right?
0: This All this sex talk. Like, for example, the hero of the movie takes Christy McNichol on the stage and tells her about pirates. And he tells her, he goes, a hundred years ago, pirates used to sail these waters and rape and pillage everywhere. To which she responds, oh, I'd sure hate to get pillaged. <laughs> Which means she wouldn't mind getting raped.
1: raped. Not only that, he is giving this distinction about how he's going to do his sword fighting. And he says, when he pulls McNichol on stage, he goes, I have a legendary in and out thrust. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) All right.
0: Got to penetrate stuff like that. And then
1: I penetrate you. I'm like, hmm, all right. She's okay with it. Well, he invites her on a date, I guess. Would would you invite someone that looks like this on a date? Like a boy? (laughs) You would. Yeah, of course I would. But would an average man invite someone that looked like that on a date? (laughs) Yeah, no.
0: I don't think so, especially since there was seven thousand girls at this thing, and they were all
1: like way creaming their jeans over this guy. He was a teen steam dream himself. He really was. He's on the cover of Tiger Beat yeah, Beefcake. He, yeah, he was a real beef boy. They all go down to his party boat. Yeah, so all
0: these girls are are clawing at him and pulling at all his parts and bits and pieces. And Chrissy McNichol shows up, and the girls are like, "Later, sucker!" And they knock her over, and they they drive the boat away. And, that was like classic eighties. Yeah, this is so eighties style. You know, but hey. She's not one to be deterred. She rents a little schooner for herself. This boat, very reminiscent of the boat that Frankenstein used in the... (laughs) Van Helsing. Yeah, that he sailed to the New World on. This teeny tiny little boat, rinky dink (laughs) dingy. And I thought it was funny because she's out there in this tiny boat. She still has her gigantic
1: boom box with her. Yeah, then a giant storm hits. It, It didn't look like a storm to me. I guess there wasn't a storm that they could film. Was it like the perfect storm? Just like it, right? Yeah, she had Guys piss- off
0: stage tossing buckets of water.
1: <laughs> <laughs> she had a piss beard. Yeah, she did. She just grew it overnight. Her boat capsizes. She goes down like the Andrea Gale. But she decides not to stay with the ship. She gets washed up on what I can only assume is, is a marooned beach. This is how we get introduced to her fantasy dream world. Yeah, it's all a dream, Martin. This whole movie's a dream, right off the bat. This takes place, what, 10 minutes, 15 minutes in? Yeah, right away. I'm okay with that. Okay. Okay, so we get introduced to Ted Hamilton finally. Thank God. Yeah, he's the Pirate King. He sings
0: this long song. He's like, Hi, hi, fiddle dee dee. Being a pirate is all right with me. Do what you want because the pirate is free. You are a pirate. You know what I'm talking about.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then he says that he's left all his treasure in one piece. Yo, ho, ho. He took a bite of gum gum. 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 Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was so happy to finally get a pirate king. I've been <laughs> I've been waiting for pirate king for so long, and we f- we finally got one. How does one become the pirate king? <laughs> and what are you it, king it, of? Yeah. <laughs> They don't The purpose of a being a pirate is that you You don't have any allegiance to anything Or anyone So it's just like to be the king of the pirates It's just it's such a Misnomer, it makes no sense, it's oxymoronic Does that mean all the other pirates in the world Swear loyalty to him? No <laughs> No, absolutely not That's why it's so ridiculous
0: it Doesn't mean It doesn't make sense. Well the pirate king He sings his song about being the pirate And how awesome it is to be the pirate king This song has double on und- Entendre coming out the ass, it's insane. He has this one line in there that I thought was awesome. He goes, "The ladies yield and the ships go down, or is it the other way around?"
1: <laughs> nice. Like, Whoa,
0: that's nuts. As if I saw that as a kid, that goes so
1: far over my head. I have no clue what the hell he was talking about. That's the beauty of the double entendre, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, yeah, you know, there were so many rape-related entendres in this movie. There really was. <laughs> it was like all rape. Re- like I'm like, oh my god, that. That's not a joke. They were really
0: pushing the envelope. Avant-garde rape humor back in the 80s.
1: Yeah, the Chelsea art scene was really excited about this movie. (laughs) They were like, oh, wow. (laughs) Really pushing the the
0: envelope. If you like your children's movies with rape overtones... The pirate movie is the movie for you.
1: <laughs> no, it was really, really every sexual entendre that a pirate uttered was rape-related. I'm like, oh, God.
0: Yeah, I mean, the pirates are there, they're they're dancing, they're fighting, there's like an Asian pirate, he's like a Kung Fu master. A lot of racial
1: stereotypes in this, too, which I thought
0: was surprising.
1: Pirates are, and, and then just to, you know, see if they could take it as far as they could. Racial stereotypes, racial gay stereotypes. stereotypes. They just wanted to get every base covered so nobody could say, hey, hey you, you left me out. <laughs> You didn't make fun of me. What's the big deal, bro? Don't you hate me? Okay, so it's at this point that, that that we learn that this this pirate king has a, a I guess kidnapped an orphan and puts him in indentured servitude. Yeah, he's like a young Orion. His mother box is malfunctioning, and that's why he's trying to leave. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, he can't control, he can't control his desires anymore. That's his urges. A,
0: a obscure comic reference for the day. I guess that's it. That's that was, it. I that, can't. That
1: was the one, and you got I, it. I can't do anymore. You're done. Yeah. He's he's becoming a man. He's having urges. Yeah. Splurges. <sighs> Strong desires. of karma flesh.
0: Yeah, he's like, I'm, I just turned 21 and all I can think about are women, girls. And the pirate king is like, yeah, hey, come on. It's not so bad here on this boat, right? And he turns to his men.
1: He goes, men, you've been on this boat for 20 plus years. Is there anything else that you miss? They scream sex at 5 trillion decibels yeah. and, and, and everyone's glasses shattered. <laughs> sex! <laughs> He's like, Oh man. (laughs) (laughs) I don't blame him. Neither do I. Twenty years is a long time. He's got a loyal crew, though. I guess they're they're willing to wait it
0: out. Well, the big plot twist here is that our hero here, Frederick, is his name. He's
1: got these golden curls, these insane flowing locks, which you had a fun fact about. Yeah, the the real plot twist that Joel is going to probably reveal is that he doesn't naturally have curly hair. Shocking. Plot twist. Big plot twist. This guy looks like a natural born curly head. Curl head. Curl head, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he actually has straight hair. They had to perm his hair for this movie. Sorry, ladies. Those luscious golden locks aren't real. All right, you're breaking hearts all around the country. <laughs> Break, breaking hearts, taking names. Well, the big plot twist is that this guy,
0: now that it's his 21st birthday or whatever, he's finally freed from his contract with the Pirate King. He's Which he did He's free to do sign. whatever he wants. Yeah, he signed it at birth, whatever. So now he's free to do whatever he wants. And so the instant he's freed from his contract, he says to the Pirate King, goes, well, now that I'm free, my first order of business is to kill you, kill everyone, and kill all the pirates. You slaughtered my parents. I'm gonna slaughter you, bro. Wow,
1: man, that's like a Lamb of God or Hatebreed song. The yeah. first order of business <laughs> is death. <laughs> What do you think of this plotline? I thought that that was pretty stupid to do in the middle of the ocean yeah. on a boat full of your enemies that are bloodthirsty murderers that have tons of weaponry, and they made it clear that they didn't have any problem raping men or women. You know what's odd? You'd think he'd have he'd have some iota of Stockholm syndrome being there for twenty years and raised by these people they're his parents. That's a good point, right? This 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 person's obviously a psychopath, sociopath. He's on the wrong path. He's on the war path. Oh, he had
0: damn good hair though. He Go you know what best hair ever yeah he won an academy award best hair best hair <laughs> at the teen choice award <laughs> best hair <laughs> All right, so they throw this guy overboard. I mean, there's this one haggard lady on the ship. She was the
1: she was scullery the, maid or whatever. Yeah, she was the, the wench of the ship. You know what's odd? She, all the, everybody else on the ship was upset that they couldn't get laid. But this woman is on board and she's, look, she wants it. She wants to sleep with everybody. With everyone. And they're all like, get away from me. I haven't had sex in 20 years. <laughs> yeah, but I'd do anything. I'd do Not anything. you. Yeah, that is bizarre because, I mean, you'd, you'd think that they'd be foaming. Foaming at the lips and the hips.
0: Ugh. <laughs> Foaming at hips. Whatever that means. <laughs> okay, Use yeah. your imagination. Yeah, I'll, I'll try. Okay, yeah, so this woman says to our hero, I've been trying to have sex with you for the past 20 years or something like that. Like, she,
1: yeah, I had a problem with that statement, like, too. she wanted to sleep with him since at, he was birth? infancy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds very Twilight to me. Breaking on yeah, part two. He's the first Renesmee. <laughs> she imprinted on him. Oh, I was there at your birth and I imprinted on you.
0: Yeah, so they toss this guy overboard. I mean, she swims after him. And yeah, he pulls out his, his. yeah, so our boy, he's looking through his telescope at these bathing beauties and, you know, we gotta fulfill our double entendre quota. His telescope extends out. It goes like it has an erection. He dives into the water and swims at Mach 1. They do this thing in this movie throughout where they crank up the speed really fast. This is pre Zack Snyder, so he's going super fast through the the ocean swimming because he's super hot and horny for these girls. He gets on the beach and the girls are stunned and shocked and they run away all disheveled and stupid looking. Which is weird because he's super beefy. Oh yeah. Well, Chrissy McNichol shows up. She's wearing these tattered rags or whatever and they fall in love. Love right at first there. sight. Love at first sight. Now, our sponsor didn't understand why this movie has resonated with so many people. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that the people who think this movie is awesome today were young girls at the time because there's so much stuff in this movie that I could totally see why a girl in the 80s would think this is awesome
1: yeah there's a lot of stereotypical references made through the innuendo but also I think the 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 plot line really like lends itself to like a hardcore self-aware 80s yeah this movie super meta It's, it's 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 a huge 80 parody meta 80s parody I think that would go over the heads of
0: little kids but what I think little kids would like is the fact that our main character Is a nerd, everybody hates her, but then she gets the super cute boy. She's just like me. Yeah. They have this steamy kiss on the beach, which I thought was surprisingly not steamy. Yeah? (laughs) No, blew you away. Wet fish. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I can see why a girl would like this. There's like this romance element to it and singing and dancing, a lot of choreography, crazy costumes. Like all the elements are there.
1: Right. It's definitely not an action flick.
0: It's not a movie like little boys, I think, would. latch on to. But I could definitely see like
1: 80s girls like this sort of thing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we were watching RoboCop when this was going on. <laughs>
0: yeah, you're right. We were watching those people get shot in the face. And, <laughs> <laughs> and then we were like, yeah.
1: Dipped in acid. Oh, it's good, good stuff.
0: Alright, so we've been listening to a bunch of songs in this movie. Like, she just sang a song about her first love and all this stuff. What'd you think of the music in this movie? I mean, we just got off the heels of seeing another musical, which is the Rocky Horror Picture Show. How does this compare?
1: Compared to the music in Rocky Horror, it's a joke.
0: It really is. I've really come to appreciate the soundtrack to Rocky Heart Brick Show since we've reviewed that. I think the songs in that movie are awesome. Oh, yeah. The songs in this movie, they're not bad. They're not bad. The first couple of them are actually pretty decent. Like, the Pirate King song was good, and uh, like some of the
1: other things are pretty good, too. Ma- the Major General song is good. Yeah, that's
0: coming up. That's pretty good. The songs aren't terrible. They're not that catchy, though.
1: You know why? I, I think the songs in the beginning work really well, because they don't, devol- they, they don't diverge from the original, from Pirates of Penzance, too much. But later Later on in the movie, they're all over the place. They are. And it doesn't it doesn't make them better, I'll say that much.
0: I don't have that much experience with musicals, I have to admit. But just having seen Rocky Horror, this movie exhibits a lot of the same problems that I had with the Rocky Horror picture show. It starts off strong, but eventually at some point, it completely and totally overstays its welcome, and you're just like, get this over
1: with. I want this to end. They introduce the characters, they build up the conflict, and then they they stut they, they sputter, and then they try to a bunch of songs in. Yeah, they got to fill out this 99-minute runtime with all this junk, but it just doesn't work. Right. I, I think the problem is that they want to write songs about a lot of the the conflict, and you can't do that unless you let people know what the conflict is.
0: But this is like a silly parody movie, so they're just like bouncing around and doing yeah. this stuff. We go to Chrissy McNichols' father's house. Papa, as she says over and over again. His house, and he comes out, he's a modern major general. Yeah, he's Alan Quarterman. He looked like Van Pelt from yeah. Jumanji. Oh, 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 yeah. In this scene, we get to see the pirate ship in the distance next to the waves. It is so blatantly fake, this <laughs> effect. There are these two rocks and the bay in between them, I guess, and the pirate ship is in the middle. It's so blatantly clear that they just superimpose the pirate ship in between the rocks. It is so jittery and flickering and moving around. It
1: is not there in the same scene with them. And you were loving every minute of it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to harp on this too much. This isn't a special effects extravaganza or anything like that, but I thought it was pretty bad the way this looked. And I know they can do better than that in the 80s. Mm. They can make a ship look like it's there. How do you think of the miniature of the ship itself that they had
1: throughout this movie? It was the best. the best (laughs) The best around. The best I've ever seen. They didn't even try to sh- film it in such a way that it's you, weird you-, you thought it was a ship. like it's-, it's so clear it was a miniature little model. It's weird because some stuff is good. The sets and the costumes are awesome. They're really well done. Like, for example, in the beginning of the movie, when we saw
0: clips from another movie, you know that wasn't a real pirate ship that they were sailing on. Probably not. No. It's probably a little model. But the way they film it, it, it looks, looks real. Like it's a real ship. In this movie,
1: they're just like, ah, just throw the toy in the bathtub and put the camera there. it be fine. We get introduced to... Mabel's father. And uh-oh, pirates are on their way. Yeah, the pirate depends answer here. They are here with one explicit purpose. To and sing. Th- and to rape. To rape and pillage. Yeah, they
0: come and they're running around grabbing girls and they're, they're saying it over and over. They're joking. They're doing double entendres about how they're going to rape everybody. But it's pretty blatant. That's what they're there for.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're, there's a lot of half-truths <laughs> in what they're saying. It's like, oh, I'm just kidding. Wink, wink. But not really.
0: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm deadly serious. I'm going ra- to rape you and kill I'm, you.
1: Yeah, and I was like, this is grotesque. After this scene, they leave because it is divulged that since the Pirate King himself was but an orphan and the boy that was let go was, was also an orphan. i never kill an orphan. The modern major general is, he, he's not really an orphan, but he tells them he's an orphan so he doesn't have to fight them. He's really a coward, by the way, mo- the major general. He tells them that they're an orphan and they're like, well, you know what? It's the Pirate King code never to kill an orphan. Let's go, boys.
0: Yeah, it's okay to rape everyone to death, but I'll never kill an orphan. <laughs> Yes. What so, he Raven
1: orphan? Yes. That's the loophole. That's <laughs> yes, yeah, like a tax tax exemption. It's the loophole. So he gets back on the ship. He leaves. It's at that point that we 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 learn. Twenty years prior, he stole this guy's treasure, the major general's treasure, and Mabel wants to get it back. But there's one snag. They don't know where it's hidden. So they get on their boat and they follow him. And a bunch of hijinks occur where they sneak back onto the pirate king's ship. Yeah. And Mabel, she seduces him. I can only pray and hope that Waterworld with Kevin.
0: Ostner stole this idea. They
1: absolutely did. The Pirate absolutely. King has the treasure map tattooed <laughs> on his back. <laughs> this scene was in the movie so Ted Hamilton could flex. Yeah, he took his shirt he off. He wrote it in so he could flex. Yeah, he was flexing like crazy. He was sweating. Biceps bulging. He was sweating. That's how hard he was flexing.
0: Well, this whole sequence with her tr- trying to seduce the Pirate King is just double entendre after double entendre piled on top of entendre and entendre entendre, entendre. One
1: one, to the other, to the other, to the other. Oh, it was... It was tiring. Okay, so they get the map off of the King's back, and we get a, a bizarre 80s, super 80s music, diving bell, animated montage scene where she takes him to the location where that treasure is hidden, pumps up this diving bell, and he goes diving. He's, like, dancing on the sea floor and animated <laughs> yeah. fish are dancing around. I, I was super confused. I had no idea what was going on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> This
0: is a mistake. This is a big misstep. Like I was okay with all the other silly crap that's in this movie, but he's on the ocean floor moving and grooving, and then cartoon fish, like Mary Poppins or something, show yeah. up and start singing and dancing, talking about pumping and
1: blowing and things like that. She she keeps forgetting to pump his machine. He starts dying. You gotta according She's, to this song, Martin, you have to swallow something more than water <laughs> I
0: know. when you're pumping and blowing. <laughs> I wonder what she's talking about. <laughs> You're gonna
1: swallow your pride. Even that. <laughs> this is an insane. Song. This song is insane. Oh my! So so is this a kids' movie? It can't be right. I- at this point of the movie, I was thinking to myself like, they
0: probably sold it to kids, but this is probably more for teenagers. It's, it's high school. It has to be. Cuz they'd be the ones that would think this is super funny. All the sex jokes and stuff. Everything is a sex joke
1: in this movie, one after the other after the other. Yeah, this this is geared towards like 12, 13, 14, 15-year-old kids, which is why we found it so funny.
0: Yeah, we were just rolling on the floor. It was like I was like pumping and blowing. I get oh. it. I'm <laughs> follow
1: your pride. So they get the treasure and they bring it back to the major general. And I guess this is a funny scene where she's telling him where to put the super heavy treasure. Yeah, he, he goes to put it down the corner. She's like, no, no, no. Put it over here. And then he puts it down there. He goes, No, no, no. Put it on the table. And he picks it up. Oh, no, no, no. Put it over here.
0: No, no. Put like, it there. And I was get like, it, Martin,
1: because women nag men all the time. Get it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, it's so funny. And they're not even married yet. Whoa, Whoa. What's their life going to be like? <laughs> <laughs> so stupid well, this is where he makes a, a deal with the devil for a dowry on Mabel, essentially. He's like, listen, the pirates are coming back. Thanks for getting my treasure. If you can lead an army, wherever that's coming from, yeah. <laughs> to defeat these pirates, you can have Mabel's hand and her better parts. I like that. And I'm like, okay, that's your daughter, but yeah. our- you
0: have all her best parts.
1: Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Why would you say that about your daughter? Yeah. God, this guy. So he also offers her body. <laughs> but it turns out that he can't do it because he's honor bound. It turns out he has a swashbuckling sword fight with the pirate king, and the pirate king just happened to have a giant wall scroll wall scroll with the agreement of his his slavery written down. It turns out that the only he, wall scrolls
0: I've ever seen have had pictures of Goku on them. Right, so this one just surprised me. I didn't understand it.
1: Well, you're, yeah, your your apartment is covered with Dragon Ball Z <laughs> wall, wall scrolls. scrolls. Every character is represented. <laughs> Did. Oh look! Is look it's Yamcha there's yeah, yeah There's piccolo. Yajirobe right there eating at a buffet. <laughs> uh, yeah, there you go. Okay, so in old... (laughs) Solar TN. Okay, so it turns out that he's born on February 29th. This is a real plot twist because it's strictly stated that on his 21st birthday he is free of this indebted duty to the Pirate King. And he's only four and a half years old. Five and a half years old. So he's stuck. He's honor bound. Wait, is
0: that what that was? Because quite frankly, my eyes are glazing over and I thought the whole leap year thing meant that his birthday wouldn't be for another Day,
1: no, nope, no, no. His birth, he's not going to be twenty one till nineteen forty 1940 1940 or, or whatever. Which I mean, this supposed to take place in the eighteen eighties, eighteen seventies. So he's gonna have to wait eighty years or something till he is able to marry Mabel. So if there's one thing that he was taught, it's honor, and integrity are the hallmarks of a man who rapes and pillages. <laughs> yeah. So so he's morally bound to serve the pirate king. So he goes back with him, and Mabel's like, "Come on, you gotta, you gotta just do it for." love. And he's like, if you really love me, you'd let me go. I don't get this, nor do I care anymore at this point. I just don't care.
0: You know, it's a funny thing. This movie is currently available on YouTube. It's kind of hard to see. It's not on Netflix. It's not anywhere else, but somebody put it up on YouTube and I posted it on the Facebook page. People could check it out or whatever to, to play along with us. Every comment on the page was like, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. I can only sit through it for 40 seconds before I turned it off. This is garbage. So I was expecting this to be the worst movie ever. And absolutely was not. I I was stunned how long it took for me to lose interest in this. I was with this movie up until this point, and this is like an hour in or something, right? Yeah, I was shocked. I was like, Wow, I actually enjoyed my time with this thing. It's a silly, dumb movie, and I was okay with that. I just kind of went with the flow, no big deal. But when we get to this point, I just don't care at all. This movie flies off in all these different directions, it totally forgets what the hell the plot is or what's going on. It
1: goes down all these weird tangents. It's strange, a big me. waste of time. Mabel's got to get to together an army and the pirates of panzant are going to come back and try to rape and pillage and fight. They're going to sing a bunch of times.
0: Yeah. And around this point in the movie too, they, they start pulling in references from other movies into it, which I felt just did not work. Oh, the when, lightsaber, yeah, sword like they, fight. Yeah. When they're having the sword fight with the pirate king, our hero picks up a lightsaber. He has to use the force. Yeah. I was like, that sucked. That really sucked. was you know, really he, annoying.
1: Really he, pandering crap. You saw it in the movie you saw once.
0: Yeah. I was like, oh, this is garbage. I hated that. Indiana Jones shows up. He actually appears later on in the movie. And
1: then... The, the inspector was in it as yeah, well. Yeah, Inspector
0: Clouseau Come shows on. up. Like This is stupid. Like These characters don't exist in the same time period. It's not really funny. This isn't really like a naked gun kind of a movie. That's what it wanted to be though, right? Yeah, but it, like, if you're going to do that, you establish that from the beginning, which they didn't do. This is a double entendre movie. It's all wordplay. And all of a sudden they start doing these stupid, movie references towards the end that is just dumb.
1: Now, they're not funny. They're not interesting either. So, I mean, let's just fast forward to the end of this movie. There's a giant fight scene that goes on in the castle. There's some physical gag humor, but it's essentially stupid and a waste of time. This doesn't really amount to anything, and it doesn't progress the story in any way. I wanted it to end! End it! This... It just it, it deals with the two main characters. The Pirate King fighting to get the boy back, and the boy trying to win his freedom for his love. Yeah, the pirates are in this mansion fighting against these Keystone Cops people. Right, and it, and it doesn't even go through to fruition because it stops towards the end of the fight and they're like, hey, this is my fantasy. So she, she breaks down the fourth wall again and she goes, I don't want it to end like this. I have to marry him. So she starts rearranging the actors or the characters in the way that she wants them and then she does like some weird gagging where she puts two of the male pirates together like they're in love.
0: I actually thought this is well done because everyone's in a freeze frame and she goes, okay, I want you and you two together and when she puts them together. They kind of like snap into position. Right. And when she leaves them, I thought that looked pretty good. That was pretty smart. So we go straight from this fight
1: scene to a super elaborate wedding dance-off scene. Yep. No transition or anything. She just goes straight to the wedding. And you know, she makes out with him. She gets, she gets her man. They have a huge wedding. The pirate king marries this, the sea wench. Everyone's happy. Everyone's happy. And so we're now fast forwarded to her back in the real world on the beach. Very reminiscent of Return to Oz. Yeah. So Chris Atkins discovers Chrissy McNichol. On the beach, and he just doesn't say a word to her. He's only spoken to her in the public forum once, and he just starts making out with her on the beach.
0: Yep, as if what happened actually happened. And she had a ring on, like
1: she actually got
0: married. What is happening? Yeah, this confused the hell out of me. They only spoke to each other for like five seconds
1: in the real world, and now he's like raping her. her. He really is a pirate. It's insinuated that he's rescuing her from wherever she crash landed. And they get married? Immediately. Immediately?
0: Very jarring.
1: What is happening? Yeah, and she's
0: dancing around in her super, super 80s costume. Really blew me away. But at this point, I just didn't care. I was just happy to see it end. Two weddings in a single movie. Yeah, a wedding and a funeral. It was great. Two for the price of one. So that's it. That's the pirate movie. Let's find out what the real critics have to say about this
1: (laughs) Ba ba ba,
0: Atkins and McNichol are cute and engaging, but that's hardly enough to allow the viewer to overlook the various atrocities on display. David Nusser, real film reviews. Lurches from almost unwatchable to so awful it's fascinating. Next to this, even such notorious 80s epics as Grease 2 and Xanadu look like high class affairs. James Sanford, Kalamazoo Gazette, and finally Christopher Atkins is in it. I rest my case. (laughs) david cornelius eFilmCritic.com. Jesus <laughs> Okay, Mario. This movie currently holds a nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes, but is it really that bad? It's not that bad. Yeah, nine's a bit rough on this one.
1: Yeah, is this a good movie? Not really, but it's it, it kept me entertained for about half of it. It's self-aware, innuendo-based comedy. It was all right. The music wasn't terrible either. The acting wasn't abysmal, but it, it just it couldn't hold my attention. And by the time I finished watching the movie, I was like, this was a waste of time. It was just it's just a waste of time for, for me. It didn't it did I didn't leave with anything. I really didn't enjoy it all the way through and it became long and tedious. So I'm probably going to give the movie a two out of five. It's not terrible, but it's not something I would go out of the way to watch.
0: As for me, it really that bad. No, I don't think it's that bad. I actually enjoyed the first half of this movie. Surprisingly, I liked it. So had the movie just ended (laughs) like halfway... (laughs) I probably would have given it a three, but yeah, I'm going to go with a two because the end just drags on for an eternity and I just don't care anymore. I'm not interested at all about what's happening. So I don't think this is a bad movie. I just think that it becomes super boring towards the end, but that just seems to be the way that musicals tend to end up with me. Like they start off strong and they just peter out. So there you go. Okay, Martin, let's read some listener mail. So Kirby writes in again, and Kirby was the pro wrestler who wrote in last week. Kirby says, hey Job Squad, you never really answered my question as to which stable you think the three of you are more like, so we all decided it's the Job Squad. However, you did ask a few questions, a few questions that I just happened to have the answers to. You asked if I met The Rock. I have in passing, but The Rock was on his way out, venturing into his new role as the suicidal, homicidal, genocidal maniac, the Tooth Fairy. So by the time I got in, The Rock had took his precious wrestling career, shined it up real nice, turned that sumbitch sideways and stuck it straight up his candy ass. All right. Secondly, you asked what Vince was like. Now, this may truly be the answer you deserve, but the answer you may not need. You know that rubber band man walking, sex-craved, insane, idiot savant you see on TV? The Mr. McMahon character they like to try to sell to you? That's him, that's Vince. I remember once, right before Kenny Kennedy got fired, Vince tearing him apart in front of me, production crew and catering over his long-winded, redundant promo that he had just finished cutting live on Raw, on Shawn Michaels. With his arms waving in their infamous manner, all he continued to scream was, GD, Ken! It's so easy. A monkey could do it. Are you stupid? Less is more, Ken. Less is more. Speaking of which, time to end this email. Be good and keep doing what you do. Remember, less is more.
1: Wow, that's not a character? It's a real deal. I knew it.
0: Shane McMahon, too. (laughs)
1: Wrestling's real.
0: Okay, uh, Paul writes in and says, You guys have stayed pretty secret for nearly two years now, which is rare for an online internet-based endeavor. No last names, no photos, etc. I've been curious if the secrecy slash under-the-radar approach works in the other direction as well. In other words, do your friends and family know about the growing and increasingly popular podcast, or is that something you guys have all agreed to keep quiet about? I'm sure Kevin's wife knows. She seems to be in on much of the movie watching and she's mentioned on the show a bit, but parents, siblings, or more casual acquaintances or co-workers, are they aware? What about your other friends and the friends Martin and Kevin know who may not overlap to you? You guys touched on this briefly, but it's been some time ago. Now that That Ed is a licensed, bonded, and insured enterprise with a tax ID and earning millions, perhaps billions of dollars, have things changed? I find it interesting the notion that the three of you have this secret anonymous pursuit that those around you aren't even aware of. And if that's the case, do they ever ask about your Friday nights? If everyone does know, does the topic often come up? Are those around you listeners and fans of the show? Does everyone provide critique and analysis, solicited or otherwise, or constantly suggested movies? Or does anyone bug you about being on the show? How do you handle all that if that's the case? I'll hang up and listen to my answer now.
1: <laughs> I don't have too many friends that will, that actually listen to this show, nor does my family really care. They, they're they aware that I'm doing it because it doing the show and doing work associated with the show is going to collide in my schedule with them. And I'm, when they ask me why, I'm not going to lie to them. I'll just tell them what I'm doing. And But they show a passe kind of interest in it. Real blase? Yeah, they just don't care. <laughs> yeah. I don't tell anybody
0: about this. I don't like getting into that conversation like, what's a podcast? What do you do?
1: Whoa, whoa, what's whoa. a computer? Th- yeah. You, I- you would be amazed at how technically ineffectual the rest of the world is.
0: Yeah, so I never, like when I go recently, like for, for example, I recently went to a family wedding where two families get married. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: now I went to a wedding, it was all family members, and I didn't bring this up once. People were like, hey, what are you doing with your time? And I'm like, nothing. Like I just don't want to bother bringing it up. Because you, you say something like this up and, and you just get questions about it for the rest of your life. You know, you, you tell them that you like something and then for the next 20 years, they're going to be asking you about this one thing over and over and over again. I so made I, the mis- I, I don't bother. I you, made know the- you know what I'm talking about,
1: right? Absolutely. I made the mistake of telling relatives that I surf the majority of my free time. <laughs> Mort, how's
0: the surfing going? time. Everybody- so- So so
1: are you still surfing? Like I was going to stop at some point or don't they know once you pick up that board? Can't put it down. That's life. That's your life now.
0: Yeah, pretty much it. Like my parents don't really know about this and my girlfriend knows and some of my other friends know about it. Every once in a while I hear that they are listening to it, but that's about it. Like I don't go out chatting from the rooftops about it.
1: Occasionally people will come up to me and they'll, you know, family or friends and they'll say, hey, I liked what you guys said about that one movie. I agree. I'm
0: of the mindset that the the majority of the people that I know don't give a damn, so I'm not gonna bother telling
1: them. Yeah, that's been my experience.
0: Okay, Clint writes in and says, Hey guys, what are your top five movies? There are a lot of great movies out there. My top five are Jaws, Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang, Children of Men, American Psycho, and Away We Go. I know what my number one is, but that the other
1: four, I don't know. What's your number one? Shawshank Redemption. Hmm. I feel like that's mine. It's such like, it's so cliche. Is it? I don't know. It's got, I mean, I would say like <laughs> Citizen Kane is like cliche. But if you really like it, you really like it. I mean, it's my personal favorite movie. Shawshank gets me every time I watch it. It's the only movie that does that for me. And I, I will sit down and watch it whenever it's on, no matter what. Yeah,
0: and I don't think there's a better movie than that. I can honestly say that Like the other movies, if I rank them, there isn't a movie that I think is better than that in whatever top 10 I could come up with.
1: Yeah, Shawshank's probably my my top. The The other movies are really like, they're constantly moving around. They're, they're in a state of flux.
0: Yeah, yeah, like Fight Club's up there, The Matrix, Back to the Future, Ghostbusters... Anything that I gave a 5 out of 5 to automatically, right, would be up there? Yeah. Okay. Uh. Okay, Paul writes in and says, I fell into the same trap you guys did, getting worked up for Watchmen, then disappointed with the final product. I look at this movie like a Chinese food buffet. There's a lot of stuff I enjoy, a few things I don't, and a few things that have no place being in the buffet, like obligatory American food, pizza, chicken wings, etc. I did, however, like the motion comic they made. I know it's all voiced by the same guy, but it's an audiobook, so I don't mind. It is awkward when the guy is voicing Silk Spectre and Night Owl making love to each other. It must have been pretty hot in the recording booth. The animated Black Freighter is well made but doesn't really need to exist outside the framework of the movie. So what did Zack Snyder add to Watchmen aside from the style, slick editing, and obnoxious music? Everything is faithfully portrayed from the book is actually enjoyable and everything Zack Snyder adds for style just takes you out of the story. That's interesting. So P.S. I'm going to be in New York in a couple of weeks with my longtime girlfriend and I'm planning on proposing to her somewhere in the city though I can't decide where. Dumbo, Empire State Building, Rockefeller Center. What would you ask that bad recommend? Also, if you're close enough to NYC, you should come and celebrate with us after the proposal. My girlfriend and I both got a kick out of you guys.
1: Mm. What do you think? Oh, Scores. Yes! <laughs> Larry Flint's Gentleman Club. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. it's going to Scores Club, man. Bros two are there. I don't know, man. There's there's so many good places to do that kind of stuff in Manhattan.
0: Okay, I'm going to say the High Line mm. could be a good place. The Central Park is a good place. Like You can go on that bridge where Peter Parker's of crying to Mary Jane in Spider-Man 3. That's that actually is a nice bridge overlooking the
1: water. It is. Or you could go to the pathway that goes through that like granite rock formation in the park where where there was that fight scene in Limitless.
0: Where the jogger died in uh, birth. Yeah. It's yeah, an, yeah it's just endless. There's just there, there, there's <laughs> every just so, movie.
1: There's just so many places where a lot of movies or, or film the, in the, Central the, Park. Or, or the, the tunnel where Cloverfield ended and <laughs> Or you could go to the that, that other tunnel in Central Park <laughs> in the twenty-fifth hour. Well yeah. Where <laughs> they beat him up. Where, where they beat him up at the end. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Everything's just movie related. I mean, there's also, the, you could do it on the Brooklyn Bridge or the Brooklyn Promenade is nice. I mean, you got a handful of places. You can pick whatever you want. Top of the Empire State Building. You could go to
1: um, Governor's Island. Yeah, but that's not going to be open now. Oh, yeah, it's not. Where where Peter Parker accidentally killed Gwen Stacy. That was Roosevelt Island. Oh, was it? Mm. Where else could you go? Oh, the, the tree will be up. You can go to Rockefeller Center. That's a really good point, that's, actually. Yeah. That's a, that's a great place to do it especially with the tree up. It's it's gorgeous there. It really is. And Bryant, Bryant Park has the skating rink open now, which is free to the public. You can just go in there, and if you have ice skates, you can skate. they got a nice little cafe in there, and uh, you could propose there. That would be nice.
0: Oh, there you go. If only Kevin was here, I mean...
1: Oh, you know he, what? He, I'm forgetting one spot. The tunnel between 42nd Street, where there's just a ton of people trying to get you to convert to their religion. Oh, yeah,
0: they,
1: okay. <laughs> that's, that's a phenomenal place to propose, <laughs> right? Yeah. Right next to the homeless guy playing the broken saxophone. Oh, I love that tunnel where... People yell at you nonstop. Hey, like, hey you, hey! Jesus! Yeah,
0: yeah, that's a great tunnel. Mother of God! Yeah, or you can just do what uh, Edward Cullen did and propose to your girlfriend in bed while you refuse to have sex. With- <laughs> It worked for him. Okay. Now here, Martin, I I read this last time. You can read it this time.
1: Dear Mr., I'm too good to tweet or write my fans. This will be the last email I ever send your ass. It's been three weeks and still no word. I don't deserve it. I know you got my last two emails. I typed the addresses on them. Perfect. So this is my message I'm sending you. I hope you read it. I'm in the car right now. I'm doing 90 quintillion on the freeway. Hey, Martin, I just drank 40 40s. You dare me to drive? You know that song by The Fray? How to save a life? About that guy from Grey's Anatomy who could could save that other guy's life but didn't? (laughs) Then Kevin saw it all on DVD, then at a show he found him? That's how this is. You could've rescued me from drowning. Now it's too late. I'm on a 1,000 prosium now. I'm drowsy. And all I wanted was a lousy email or a tweet. I hope you know I deleted all your podcasts off my iPod. I love you, Joel. We could've been together. Think about it. You ruined it now. I hope Martin can't sleep and he dreams about it. And when he dreams, I hope he can't sleep. He stays up and tweets about it on his account. At, yeah, it's Martin. <laughs> I hope this conscience eats at him and he can't surf without me. See, Joel? Shut up, Carissa. I'm trying to talk. <laughs> what? <laughs> hey, Joel, that's your ex co-host screaming in the trunk. But I didn't kick her off my show. I hired her to start a podcast with me. See, I ain't like you. Because if she records with me, we'll have better chemistry. Then I'll have a podcast award nomination too. Well, I gotta go. I'm about to record my show now. I forgot. How am I supposed to set up the Behringer Podcast Studio Bundle? Yo. Wow.
0: What do you think of that? Masterful. Okay, thanks for those emails, guys. If you want to contact us, you can reach us at yeahitsthatbad at gmail dot com. Okay, now it's time for the question of the week. The question of the week is what is your favorite musical? Heading over to yeahitsthatbad.com Leave a comment on this episode's page with our answer. Now it's time to announce next week's movie. Next week's movie is 2010's *The Warrior's Way*. You remember that movie? I do. I remember the commercials for it. I didn't see it though. Yeah, it's the one with the cowboy and the samurai, whatever. Yeah, that's never been done before, so should be good. <laughs> okay, to the next one, we'll be watching *The Warrior's Way*. Oh, one last piece of news: our show recently has been syndicated on SliceRadio.com.au, which is an Australian-based internet radio station and, and to celebrate we've partnered up with slice radio to have a contest right now which you could win a 200 hundred dollar itunes gift card all right it's a pretty sweet deal
1: yeah nice
0: and the contest is as follows. All you gotta do is come up with the plot of a romantic comedy by using the names of other romantic comedies. For example, she's been on 51st dates wearing her 27 dresses
1: when she had to go blow out 16 candles.
0: Yeah, there you go, exactly. So whoever
1: can come up with the best, cleverest, funniest plot to a movie using romantic comedy titles is going to find themselves in possession of a $200 iTunes gift card.
0: Yeah, for more rules and regulations, head on over to sliceradio.com.au. Okay, thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you've heard, please consider subscribing. We have a new episode every Tuesday. Please leave us a positive review on iTunes. Those five-star reviews really do help out the show. Please help us spread the word of the show to all your friends by liking us on Facebook, facebook.com slash bad. You can follow the show on Twitter at yeahitsbad. You can follow Martin at yeahitsmarn. You can follow Kevin at yatskev. Yeah, and you can listen to the show on all your mobile devices via Stitcher. And you can get that at stitcher.com. Once again, thanks for listening to the show. See you next time.
1: Because he is a pirate.
0: I feel a pirate me.
1: All right. You want to make any more lazy town?
0: References? <laughs> yeah, 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 sure. <laughs> you gotta do the cooking by the book.
1: <laughs> or your cake will end up crazy.